McEwen in the left wing. McEwen wheels in front and was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Ken York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 91 of the Liberty L. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stoffo. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm still getting over that Super Bowl. I cannot lie to you. Yeah, still thinking you. about it. I mean, I think everyone is, honestly. Honestly, but, I haven't talked to anybody about that yet. Like, I refused to talk to like, anyone. Yeah, yeah, anytime anyone's ever said anything to me since that night, I've kind of just like deflected the conversation <laughs> the other way. I'm not even trying to be funny. No, I agree with you, actually. I've reached a point of like complete exhaustion with it to the point where... I'm just avoiding like reading tweets about it. I'm like I'm like yeah. canceling out of threads. No, People definitely. blaming the refs. I'm like I don't even want to see that. Like I was bitching last night, but I don't even want to see that right now. I don't want to see anything. Just uh, I just gotta sit on that the whole summer. I told myself multiple times just stay off social media. Like not completely, but not as much. Don't go on as much as you usually yeah. do. Like, I just and don't want to see that shit. And it wouldn't be because of the the Chiefs fans either. It's because of the yeah. salty ass Niners and Cowboys oh fans. My God. Like, yeah, Dak, Dak was the only one who went home with a trophy last night, the NFC East, for a non-football playing trophy. So, now that's three Philly teams who have lost championships this year. The Union, yeah. the Phillies, and now the Eagles. So, I'm trying to figure out how the Flyers are going to continue this amazing run that Phillies teams are making <laughs> right now and make a Stanley Cup run. <laughs> I joked to my dad. Uh, excuse me. I talked to my dad earlier. I was like, could you imagine if, like, they continued that and and just did it, just, like, joking around? He was like, he looked at me, and he was like, well, you know a lot more about hockey than I do at this point, but you know damn well that that other team had a lot more talent than this one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's not even yeah. close. Like, if you actually nah, go and look at that roster. Even the Phillies, not even close. Yeah. If you go and look at that roster in 2010 that made that run, it's just like how were they just squeaking into the playoffs kind of thing. But then they did get embarrassed in 2011 in that second round against Boston. Yeah, I mean, it was like they should have had a better, better regular season in 2010. It just took a while. Yeah. But I know what you mean. It was just kind of... That's our example of uh, winning. We go back and watch clips from a year we didn't win. That's insane. 13 years later, I'm going back and watching Mike Richards' the shift from a playoff run. We didn't win. Yeah. That's how bad it is around here, man. I mean, I mean, I don't. I mean, like, not to shit on Mike Richards, but he was a great player. I liked watching him, but yeah, I mean, that, that was a Cinderella run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It wasn't like a sustained good team that consistently made the playoffs or like a top seed. I mean, they were good. Yeah, no, that was the Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be the Bruins. So let's get into. The letter, because that's something that I wanted to talk about days ago, days and days ago, and uh, we can finally talk about it now, but what were your first thoughts on seeing them, not even them, I guess you can say, it's John Tortorello, and I'm not going to sit here and read the letter off, uh, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've read it, or you've heard, you've skimmed it in some sort of way, but it was basically what Tortorella has reiterated since the beginning, even though Chuck Fletcher has was not reiterating the same thing at the time. But apparently it is quote-unquote signed off from the front office, so we have to believe that 
this is also coming from Chuck and Dave Scott, I guess. Like, I, I, I guess what that means, because I've seen that from beat reporters. I'm like, oh, this is, it's different because uh, Chuck Fletcher, uh, it's signed off from the front office. And if that's true, then, I mean, does it really make any difference to you? Because, I mean, it really doesn't make any difference to me, because it's not actually Chuck Fletcher making that decision. You know, I mean, uh, like, making that statement, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I don't know that letter. I didn't. I didn't think it was as big of a deal as other. Like, I, I, I was kind of glad they did it. To be honest with you, it's like let's stop beating about on the bush. Like the team. Yeah, the team's five hundred. Most of the fan base knows they suck, but there's a yeah. portion of the fan base who will never admit that they suck. So I kind of like that the organization just put that letter out and was like, nah, yeah, we blow, we know it. I didn't really mind it. I mean, I, I agree with the point of like yeah. Chuck Fletcher's name not being on it. It's kind of weird. I mean, to be honest with you. I, I can't tell you the last time I've seen the guy's face. I know. Like, straight up. Yeah, he's... See, that's my thing. I guess I'm not actually mad at the actual letter. I'm not mad anymore. I was upset in the moment when the letter first came out. Because it's not that the letter was released. Like What was said is true. And I am glad that they had finally come out and admitted it. But it was like... Hot, like it, it was so funny to me that they knew that Chuck Fletcher couldn't say this or Dave Scott couldn't be the one to say this because it would just be met with, like, rebuttal right away, right? It's just extremely, like, ironic to me, and it's just so puzzling. I mean, you wrote an article about it. Like, why is he still here? If you can't have your GM be the one to say this, like, it has to be John Tortorello to be, like, the vocal point of the letter. It, that's my problem with it. Yeah, like, we gotta why stop beating he, around the bush yeah, here. why is he still here if he can't be the one to say Because you know... I mean, everybody knows the reason why Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott didn't aren't the ones who actually said it or wrote it. Um, because of obvious reasons. Like, I'm not sitting here and not understanding that point, but it's just, why is he still the GM if he can't put his face on that kind of thing? It's just extremely frustrating from a lack of responsibility kind yeah, of thing b- because to you like it the flyers even know that that's the move that needs to be made and they admit to it when they hide him from the public eye for the last three months like doing that is a self-admission of like yeah this guy probably should go so like why hasn't he and the timing of the letter is also funny it's too just weird dude. i really feel like this letter in the off season kind of would have been better yeah you know like before they went out and like threw money at, at guys <laughs> Signed contracts, hired a winning coach. If you would have put that letter out after you traded Claude Giroux, dude, you'd probably get a standing O. You probably would have. But it's the timing of it, though. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They weren't on the same page. Like I like I said, they Chuck Fletcher was saying one thing in the beginning of the season, and John Tolero was saying the complete other thing. And that's like something we've talked about multiple times. Like, hey, he's talking about like, we're five points out of a playoff spot, and John Tolero is sitting over here saying this is going to take a long time. This isn't an overnight thing. He's been saying that since the beginning. And he's it, watching Kevin Hayes, and he's like, guys, yeah, let's chill the, out. The distance in what they were saying made no sense. And now, finally, is it... Are they on the same page? I, I guess they've always kind of... Been, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. If Chuck Fletcher goes out and makes a move that we kind of sit back and we're like, okay, this kind of backs up that letter then maybe I'll be a little I'll feel a little bit better about it but it just screams like it just screams Chuck Fletcher dodging again you know what I mean just like yeah, more taking, damage control yeah damage control damage control damage control and it's just uh, 
Because you just know the deadline and the offseason yeah. are just going to be so underwhelming. <laughs> like, these guys have failed him for the last five uh, years, and he still doesn't have the balls to trade him. He just re-signs them all. Like, it blows my mind. Like, the loyalty he has, the guys. Like, like I know Provorov's been in trade rumors for the last three years, but, like, at the end of the day, he's still here. Konechny as well, but at the end of the day, he's still here. Sandheim in an up year last year. Let's give him eight years. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's something we'll get it's, into. It's like, I don't know. We've seen it doesn't work. And yet he still refuses to change up the the potion, if you will, the mix, the ingredients. Oh, yeah. He just tried his hardest to patch the Giroux error and make little try to like win now moves with like Niskin in. I mean, it's Niskin like but, when Giroux move. goes though. How does he not just see the writing on the wall oh, of right. what he should do? What and not signing D'Angelo and. Yeah, not doubling down on high profile coach. A fourth liner gets like, then you get like a no move clause four years. Delorier, like I don't even mind Delorier, but still, it's just like the principle of the whole thing. And then, then you cry wolf that you don't have cap space when Johnny <laughs> Goudreau wants to come here and you sign D'Angelo about six days prior. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. A guy who now looks highly replaceable. A guy who like is probably like should be traded off the team. So that's what we sacrificed for. Instead of seven years of Johnny Goudreau, and yet they want to cry wolf about it. And now this is a guy that we have to trust going into this deadline to at least make some moves to set us up for a decent kind of summer. I mean, we're going to have a top ten pick, hopefully, uh, hopefully coming up yeah, here. Uh, it, uh, we'll see, you know. But this is a guy that we now have to trust to make some decisions trade deadline time. And 17 days away, March 3rd, we know who are locks, right? It, it, two guys, JVR and Braun. Yeah, I think those are two guys that are absolutely going to get traded. It's whether or not Chuck Fletcher can bring back anything kind of decent. If Chuck Fletcher brings back a second round J, uh, for JVR, I'll be fine. Like That's a completely fine return for JVR at this point. I just get him off our hands, even if we have to retain something. Because I'm just, personally, I'm just so tired of watching him skate. In the orange and black. I'm just tired of it. It just reminds me of a decade of just mediocrity. Oh, yeah. He's and a I'm constant not, reminder of, yeah. like... Not when him, I think of him, but, yeah. I, I think of Patrick Kane's 2010 cup-winning goal when oh I think of gosh. JBR. And then I, now I think about Goudreau not coming here. So it's, it's not a shot at him. It's not him personally, but it's just, like, when I see him, I'm like, uh oh, Damn. Luke Shen flashback. You know what <laughs> I mean? Just, it's, it's just... just yeah. past the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm... Hopefully he goes to a playoff team. He has some success. He scores some power play goals sitting in that front line. That's what he does best. But he's definitely a lock, right? I would hope. Yeah. Uh, Justin it's, Braun. It's been he, talked about a lot. Been talked about a ton. It, it just, he's just a guy that I don't see why you wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I could see uh, Chuck Fletcher sitting here saying that. I mean, I have Freeman on the 32 podcast saying that Chuck Fletcher in the front office is – Waiting on a uh, on a good, I forget what the actual words they use, but something on the lines of they're waiting for a good deal for Nick Sealer. They're not just going to take anything for Nick Sealer. I, I, I it blew my mind because I mean I, I talked to you on text. I, I feel like they they just over evaluate players to the point where like to the point where they're doing something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's Nick Sealer who. Is playing on a bottom ten team right now, and granted, Nick Sealer has been good. I'm not shooting on Nick; he's been good this year. Uh, 
But like, yeah, but it's, it's like you're just, lucky it, to get an asset point. for them. Yeah, yeah, that's not the point. The point is like you're sitting here, or, 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 like, you're sitting here saying I can't sign Johnny Gaudreau. I keep I keep bringing him up, and I, it's not him at this point. It's just like the actual move itself. Like I I could sit here and say Debrinket, like any kind of star player. Like you're sitting here telling me yeah. you couldn't do that because of the cap, right? But then, like, obviously, Nick Sealer is making $700,000, so it's not, like, the cap point. But it's the, it's the point where, like, you're saying, I can't make that kind of move and go out and get a star because of cap issues. But, God forbid, let me hug Nick Sealer and over a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. Like, it's just, like, you're like you're misevaluating things. And it, 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 it's hard to actually say what I'm trying to what I'm trying to well, say. It, but. To me, like, it's hard to cry about cap. It, like, it'd be one thing if... um. Let's say Hextall put him in the cap issues, and then this is like year one or two of his situation. He was just dealt a shitty hit. You've been here for five years. You like this is the situation you built. So you like crying wolf and admitting that you fucked up is like it just makes it all the more worse. And you he should not be here. And to yeah. be honest with you, I know we joked about like, oh uh, like he definitely has something on Dave Scott and like I don't know how he, but I really did not <laughs> think he would be here for this trade deadline, especially with oh. those rumors circulating in November December like. It, it did not get much better after that. Like, what, we beat... Just because we beat some shitty West Coast teams? Like, <laughs> that saved his job? Are you kidding me? Honestly, it might have. I mean, we were kind of on a on a steep downhill roll heading into that. And then they beat some shitty teams. I mean, not L.A. Uh, L.A.'s a good team. But beat a couple of shitty teams and L.A. And then, yeah, it just kind of seemed like it was like, okay... Maybe he's safer now, safer now. And since then, they've kind of just, like, bobbled in the water. They've just treaded since then. Um, like a Travis, I got people saying that Travis Konechny... Um, uh, uh, I forget what I was going to go with that. Travis Konechny hasn't scored in, what, 13 games? Danny, 14 games? I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, he's pointless in last eight. His last point was January 21st against Detroit. His last goal was January 11th. It was a hat trick against the Washington Capitals. So he has not scored since January 11th against the Capitals. It was a hattie. It's just... And where are you what? with him? Like, personally. Because I know we've shit on him on this pod, but... I I have no, like, personal, like, fan loyalty to any player on this team, probably outside of Carhartt. And, that, like, I said that last year, and I feel like that, that still kind of applies this year. Yeah. Like, I could be convinced... And to be honest, it's it's the right thing to trade a guy like that, a high value guy. Like the reason why we never have fun trade deadlines or fun trade uh or fun off seasons is because we never make the big swing and give up something good. You got to give up something good to get something good. And we and Chuck Fletcher has just never done that while being here. So no. I don't expect him to do it with Konechny, but I will say like I think a guy like Konechny, Provorov, just like a big uh guy who's been a part of this core for a while now i think they should be traded i've been under that mindset for like the last since last season but i agree i i don't think they will though i actually have a big fear that not now that that they they think it's like such a great season that they end up extending them like that's just like because that's what all i've seen with all these players like sanheim yeah they've already done it with sanheim so yeah, it was Sandheim, and he has like he has an up year and a year where everyone else is so bad that like a guy just has an okay year, and we we point to that and just think like, like he's next up. Like no, I mean, you can have anyone. Like look at Kevin Hayes. Look at look at the year he's having on this bad team. I mean, 
I mean, we could so, be wrong, but I also think it's another example of mis-evaluating talent. Like, they're looking at Sanheim thinking maybe, hey, one day he could be a number one defenseman, and we just locked him up for eight years at $6 million, and that's really good value for a number one defenseman considering that the cap is going up in the next couple of years, blah, blah, blah. But that's... <laughs> Travis Sanheim has been on this team for how many years? I, I I mean, you said at best, he's, what, 26, 25, 26 years old? I mean, at this point, we know what Travis Sanheim is, and that's not a number true yeah. top-pairing defenseman. So Next year, he's not going to be headman. At best, you locked up a number two left-handed defenseman for $6 million for the next eight years, who is... Unmovable. Unmovable. Until 2026-2027, that's a modified no-trade clause for the rest of the contract who's unmovable. Yeah, and, it's, it, it turns into a 12-team, which is going to be the best 12 teams in the league. Yeah. So it's not going to be first-round picks that we really even want. That's I mean, just, we're going to want him. He's, he's here. So, and let's be honest, he, he he's, he's okay. And It's not the contract that's the problem. It's the timing. It's the... It's the, it's the again, rest of the defense. The it's, mis-evaluating. Again, I'm, I'm going to keep saying that word. And it, it's a word that it's going to keep coming up because it's what they do. I mean, D'Angelo's another example of just misevaluating what he was and what he can bring and how much money you gave him and how his success from Carolina came from certain things. And it's just it's extremely frustrating because I go into this trade deadline saying, yeah, JBR and Braun are definite locks to get traded, right? And... Hopefully, JBR brings back a second, and Braun maybe a fifth, a fourth, if we're lucky. I mean, the dude's barely played this year. I mean, he'll, he'll be a nice little death piece for uh, a playoff team, maybe the Oilers. The or Rangers something. again. Maybe the Rangers. Who gives a fuck, to be honest? Sealer, apparently, they're, they're, they're holding on to him for a fucking third, so I don't know. Maybe well, he And, and the notion on Konechny was that they're, they're de- they want an overpay for him as well, yeah. right? Konechny and Provorov just seem like offseason moves worry. if that happens. It's not a trade deadline move, in my opinion, but... Um, it, I could be proven wrong, but it, it seems like a, a draft day kind of move or a, a, a move three weeks after the draft heading into like off-season signings and stuff like that. It just doesn't scream off a uh, trade deadline kind of thing to trade Provy or, or, or Cackney at this point, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I personally worry about what they view as an overpay for Konechny because, like you said, they over-evaluate their talent so much or they yeah. overvalue it so much. Like saying to the I point need where two first round picks and the top eight prospects for them kind of thing. Yeah, like I, I just I just remember a couple years ago when they were negotiating with Winnipeg and Winnipeg wanted one of like Provi or Konechny in a deal for Patrick Line and the Flyers were like they backed out in record yeah. speed. They were like these guys are untouchable and it's like it really makes me worry about especially with the kind of I mean, I know it's slowed down, but with the, the kind of year Konechny had, I really worry about what they value, like what they deem as an overpay. It's kind of what, scary to think what about. What would you say would be the right kind of value for Travis Connecting at this point? Locked up for the next few years. So, under a decent contract, I think he makes $5.5 million until... Let's look. Let's look. He makes five point five until 2024-2025. Um, so, he's locked up for the next couple of years. 25 years old. What would you say right now? What would you trade for him. I mean, my, my like dream for that would be like a first and a prospect. Like a B-level prospect, right? Yeah. So Yeah, definitely not someone who's like top of the draft charts. 
I so so I I honestly don't blame you for sitting here being like Chuck Fletcher is going to hold on to this. I mean, obviously you want to extract as much value out of any team that you're trading a guy like Travis Connecting for. I'm not saying not not to do that, but I your fear is that he's going to turn around and be like, no, not just one first round. I need two, and no, not a B level. I need like your best prospect kind of thing. And I don't think Travis Connecting is worth quite that. Maybe a little bit less, but that's a, not a that's not a fear that's coming out of left field with a hockey stick. You know what I mean? Because like, this is a guy that we've come on this pod and said I don't want him to be in control of any kind of trade that impacts us like that. And the Travis Konechny trade could be quite huge. It could be for a guy that is young, talented, and can help us now and in the future, like a player for player kind of swap, or it could be a. Uh, a pick, um, I'm sorry, a trade like that, like a first or a B, C. Oh, yeah, he, he's a valuable prospect. asset, without yeah. a doubt. But that's why we're bringing him up. I, I don't blame you for being worried that it, they're going to overvalue him because it's kind of the same situation with Nick Sealer in the sense of, like, not obviously they're not the same kind of player, but I mean, you're just you're, like, why are you sitting there saying, I need a third round pick or he's staying? Yeah, like we're, we're, we're really what? Like we're, we're like, demanding what? an overpay for Nick Sealer. Like it's so funny. Like the like, battles Chuck's picks to have. Like, yes, he, yes, he, that's, he, yes. He had no problem leaking to like everyone that Giroux wanted to be a Panther in January. The entire league knew it. Straight handcuffed <laughs> them so that when that when the deadline day came and Giroux got traded, I mean, I guess the trade has aged better than we initially thought, but still. It was definitely disappointing in the moment for what we were talking about. For sure. But, I mean, it was a guy who was also going to be an unrestricted free agent, and you saw what happened. So his, that that value does decrease a little bit. And if you actually do look at that trade, we definitely want it from a, from a, a Florida oh, yeah. Flyers uh, pro, uh, perspective. Yeah, they but, took a gamble and they lost. It's It sucks. Yeah, them. I mean, you do that nine times out of ten. Like, I mean, you're a team one of the best teams in the league that regular season. You're going into the playoffs as a top seed. Of course, I mean, I would do it 10 times out of 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're trading a first and a B-level prospect for Claude Giroux for a playoff run? Yeah, of course. I'm yeah. doing that. I wish my of, team was in that yeah, position. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what we've been slamming on the table for the Flyers to do for the list. Um, how long have I been watching? Like 15 years? I mean, I've been watching for so long, and it's just... That's exactly what we've been slamming on the table for. When we entered the playoffs in 2019-2020 as the covert year, and they traded for Derek Grant and Nate Thompson. Nothing against them, but, I mean, how many times have we said on this podcast, we wanted somebody like, we want to move like Florida did with Giroux. So, I, I mean, I don't blame them for making the move, but in hindsight, we definitely definitely kind of fleece them because I mean Tippett's a good little middle sixer it looks like so and a first round in 2024 which is not going to be it's going to be not as deep as 2023 but it's going to be a pretty good draft so yeah and like dude the east is stacked the Panthers clearly clearly don't look like last year dude there are a couple like and I'm not trying to like wish injury on people but they're like a couple big injuries away from kind of being like near the bottom of the east next year so I mean right now I mean mean, they're only six points away from us. So, I mean, there are a couple yeah. of losses and a couple of flyers, 2-1 gritty wins away from 
being right there with us. So the East is weird this year, isn't it? Like I really didn't expect Washington to be in it. I really no. didn't. I've been predicting a Washington fall off for like forever, but I swear they like never die. And then obviously the Devils are a team that I mean I didn't personally have. I mean I had them down in the bottom of the metro with yeah. us, <laughs> so I was I was dead wrong there. But I mean they've been fun to watch. Jack Hughes, even though he's out for I don't know a couple of weeks now, but I mean it's, he's been fun all year. They're thirty five, thirteen and five, dude. <laughs> like that's disgusting. Yeah. Boston thirty nine eight and five. What the, the the uphill climb of being able to contend in the East seems so daunting for the position we're in. Because yeah. it's like I was saying it to Derek last night. It's like I I don't even or earlier today I don't even think we're Buffalo. I don't even think we're Detroit. Like we still have a lot of work to do to even get to to the position of those teams. Let alone like a Devils, a Rangers, a yeah. Hurricanes. You mean in it's, terms of just having talent, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. Like, having this torch effect is great. And we're cap-strapped. Like, that's another thing. If, if, if it was one thing where I was like, oh, we can get in the sandbox this summer, make some moves. Like, but no, like, we, we strapped ourselves going all in on on years and having nothing to show for it. Hopefully they do gain some uh, cap room because they're going to trade JVR this offseason. They're probably going to retain something. So, I mean, they're going to get some money off the books there. Whether or not they trade Hayes is to be now that, seen. Now, that's the one. Like, if Chuck does that. Yeah, I mean, that's I'll the moves it. that he needs to make. But then again, I always go back to what we've been reiterating. I, 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 I'm nervous. Just not a closer. Yeah, I'm nervous because I don't believe in you. Like, what have you done to make me believe that you'll make that kind of move to set us up well? Do you know what I mean? Like, what makes you think that you're gonna trade JVR for maybe actually get a first for him or or second, but only have to retain like twenty five percent of the contract or get a second and don't retain anything? I don't trust him. I've never seen him win. Never seen him come out of a trade like holy shit. Chuck Fletcher just completely fleeced that GM. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. I obviously I don't care what Kevin Hayes. What we get back for Kevin Hayes as long as that contract gets off the books and we maybe. Start start new, but it's the whole point of him not winning any trades, you know. Every one of his trades feel like, okay, well, that was definitely a need, but feels like a little bit of an overpay every time. That's how it feels and every it's time. nobody like you fun. Said, no, yeah, nobody fun. It's like, okay, <laughs> Kevin Hayes, I guess, fills the 2C role, but, I mean, that contract's a little big. Like, that. that's what his moves are. Yeah. I mean, everyone, every move has been that. I mean, Niskanen had, was that... That move for Provorov. Uh, Gustafson was that move. Yeah, was, Yandel. After Yandel. Bro, he, he, that, mean, Yandel that set him a, into a complete panic, the Niskanen thing. Like, I've never seen a GM rattled by, yeah, by yeah. a guy retiring quite like that. And Gustafson was deciding for that. And then Yandel was the just the, the depth of veteran signing, which turned out awful. Yeah, but, yeah. the real the real fish was Ryan Ellis, who, who played five games. Yeah. I mean, there have been a ton of moves. There's just patches that he's done over the years. I just have looked, looked like iffy in the moment, and then you look back on a couple years later. I mean, a year later. I mean, it doesn't take long. Yeah, to... it really doesn't. A couple months, maybe. Yeah. Just nothing but swings and misses. Like I've, I said, like you said it best in your tweet. That kind of got a little bit of attraction. Like this guy whiffs on every trade deadline. 
He gets fleeced into every contract negotiation, and just the front office is just like it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Like what Back a fun like he, thing has he? I I hate sitting here and bitching because I mean they have looked good. <laughs> they, they haven't looked bad. The games have watched have been watchable. But I mean I'm not gonna sit here and be like hooray like they've gone from the fourth worst team in the league to the seventh worst team in the league. Like they're still a bad hockey team, and like I'm not gonna sit here and break games down because they fucking suck. But I I also hate bitching about them all the time. But I mean that's the point that we're in. You know, it's just it it sucks. It sucks just watching and knowing that it's just not an easy way out because we have a GM that just doesn't have to face any kind of responsibility. Like, if this guy even, like, steps back and just gives the GM title up and goes as the uh, president ops and just stays and does that, I just... I'm not, I'm not sitting here clamoring for a guy to lose his job. It's just extremely frustrating. I don't feel like there's this any point kind we of are, change. Though. I just don't you think there's anything to change at, at, anywhere. I mean, they did. Uh, what did they do today, Danny? Real quick. What did the, the CEO? Yeah, yeah. Keep talking. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. No, nah, but it just amazes me, like the leeway Chuck Fletcher is given, especially when his prior reputation and was for ruining Minnesota. <laughs> like it, it blows my mind. Like they, they act like he is Lou Lamorello, <laughs> yeah, I know. or or Brandon Shanahan, or, or Steve Yzerman. Like they give him the leeway of like. That kind of GM, like no GM of the level of Chuck Fletcher, should be able to see through swinging and missing four times, and then going through a process of recouping draft picks and then getting back into the mix like that. Like, and then blowing proven smoke GMs up don't even get that leeway. I know it's crazy. Like you said, they treat him like he's fucking Yeiserman over there, man. But uh, I did find it. Uh, Flyers announced Dan Hilferty has been hired as CEO of parent co-comcast Spectator. The team says he will partner with Dave Scott, who will remain as chairman. So apparently Dave Scott gives up his president of ops. Uh, uh, no, he gives up his one of his titles, but still stays as like the guy that still has to approve who is president of ops. So he still, he still makes the final decisions, but gives up a title. Basically all it is. So there's no real change happening. It's just... Yeah, I, I guess yeah, it's, I a di- the, it's a different voice. I don't know what really They is. put in quotes that he's like a, a ravenous Flyers fan. Like, thanks, bro. Did they that say that? That doesn't make me feel better. Yeah, they funny. did. Like, that makes any kind of difference. They're just trying... I mean, they know what they're doing. I mean, we know what they're doing. Come on. We don't have to sit Dude, fire the GM. It. it couldn't be more obvious. <laughs> like, the writing is on the wall. Like, I, I've been saying it for the last month repeatedly because I can't believe that I still need to say it. So I guess I just need to spam say it. Like, I can't... Yeah. Nobody wants him here. It's... Every fan in their mind thinking of solutions to get out of this dark era, it all starts... The first domino to fall is firing Chuck Fletcher. Nobody is going to be able to get past this era of poverty until you fire Chuck Fletcher. And it all starts with this trade deadline, which he's going to Uh, be a part of, Danny. He's going to be... Yeah. Patrick Brown's gone, This This important deadline, huge deadline for the future of this franchise. Honestly, it is. I mean, we're not trying to exaggerate, but I'm getting a nice return for JVR would be good. And getting a couple guys out of here, like if JVR goes... That's a definite. Braun, obviously. I mean, Braun going doesn't really open up a spot, but JVR does. Um, if Patrick Brown is traded, I mean, I do think he could be a nice little depth guy for a playoff team who wins faceoffs potentially. Could play if somebody gets hurt. He could go. McEwen, I did think, could be a candidate, but he, I mean, he's coming back from a broken jaw. Maybe if he comes 
I don't think he'll come back before the trade deadline. It's two weeks. I think he's out five six. So we'll see with him. But I mean, I think those are the only guys I actually think can get traded. I think my dark horse is D'Angelo because he's not really fitting here. It, Everyone it would be knows a good time to really do it. like him. Um, and I do think a playoff team would maybe give us a, a third or a second potentially for him. I mean, he's on a decent contract and he could. Play yeah, you get that team. extra year too. Yeah. Like, so. It is. It's you make a good point there. It's definitely. I mean, it's not like a huge, huge trade deadline. Like we're not trading Claude Giroux, who's locked up to a four-year contract and has amazing value. Like that would be an insane, like Timo Meyer kind of thing. Like the San Jose Sarks are going to bring back a nice little package for Timo Meyer. Um, it's not one of those kind of trade deadlines, but it is important, like you said, getting. Any kind of draft pick in this kind of draft is going to be nice in any kind of way. A second-round pick is a second-round pick. You know what I mean? So I'm not like, going to complain. To your point, like how the team is like more watchable and we've seen some young guys take steps and progress, Like yeah. to me, that really only truly means something if you go out and capitalize on it. Like You successfully have a good deadline. You have a good offseason. You realize the direction of your team. It's young. It's up-and-coming. But if they fail to make those moves and keep some of those anchors on board, it, like it's just it feels like there is no end in sight. And you're relying on a guy like Sean Couturier, who I haven't seen play hockey in two years. I'm supposed to expect him to come back, play 82, and be my one C for all 82. Like it's one of those things like you believe it when you see it. It just seems like a, like so much has to go right. Yeah. And you, like they need like stupid ass luck. Cutter Gauthier. And it's just not the position you want to be in. Cutter Gauthier can't not be a guy. For this team, like he has to hit these yeah. next him and this next pick have to hit because I don't think they're going to be that bad in twenty twenty four to the point where they're going to be picking where they're going to pick this year. So Cutter Gauthier cannot just be a middle six decent guy because they're not going to get high end talent that you get at the top of a draft. Like they're not going to land. Fantilli, Bedard, maybe Mishkop drops to like seven, eight, and if you're at eleven, you you trade up for him, in my opinion. But I mean, that's a it's a, it's a pipe dream. So like, you have to hit on Gauthier and this next pick next year, these next two picks next year, and then hopefully like this system and culture that Tortorella has developed, and we finally get the guys who don't want to be here, out of here, and it's a, just a good culture, it's a good system, and you got good talent, like, like a Carolina Hurricanes kind of kind of um, team. You know what I mean? Just like a team that doesn't have that superstar, but is good, has a structured system, plays hard, forechecks hard, but has a ton of good players. Like they have Tevo, they have Ajo, they have Nietzsche, Sefashikov, Burns, you know what I mean. Slavin's Slavin, the best yeah. defensive, defen- uh, the best defensive defenseman in the in the league, but they don't have that superstar. But they have a ton of good players. They have a good system, good coach. So I mean, I think that's a model that you could look at. Uh, the Dallas Stars are another team. I mean, they don't have a superstar. I mean, Robertson could be a superstar, but they're another. But they team definitely you look have at. way more talent. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But if Kodogoche is a guy, which he needs to be, and you hit on the next pick, and Forster could become a guy. 
You know what I mean? It just like like you said, a lot of things have to happen, and it, yeah. it, it's worrying. Like maybe York becomes a guy. Like maybe, maybe, maybe. You know what I mean? Like right, we've been yeah, saying that for how many years? Yeah, maybe yeah. Crystal is great. Like I, who knows? Who knows? Like you said, we've been saying it for years. We've loved Prospect for years, and it's gonna work out. Like I, it's the numbers. I mean, like the math has to at some point got to hit on one. You know what I mean? It's, you got it lucky at some point. It's only. It's only a matter of time. It's just a matter of when. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like it would said, just be so big with like, given how like let's say like like Frost, Tippett, who have been all been good. So it's nice to yeah. see. But like, if they go out now and like, really buy into the fact that like, yeah, we're a young up and coming team, and they make those proper moves to shed cap and get some assets in, like, I don't know, I could be on board with that. I just it's, it goes back to the point we just don't trust them to execute exactly. that properly. Exactly. I don't trust them to do what needs to be done for me to hop back on board. Like you just said. Believe it when we see it. Yeah, like like you said, locking up these these young players who have shown progress, like Tippett, Frost, York. Show me that these guys are the guys that you want to keep developing and not build around, but kind of have their shed cap and bring in young now, I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a prospect, but it could be a 26-year-old that can help us now and in the future. Like you said, decent moves, structured moves to really, like, propel this team into a position where I could hop back on board and, and could see light at the end of the tunnel. Because right now, it's a lot of ifs, but if this guy turns into this, this could happen kind of thing. It's just sitting here guessing at this point. Like, they... they they're 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 a lot better to watch, don't get me wrong. They're structured at some <laughs> in some points. I mean they're they still got breakdowns here and there that you just kinda shake your head at, but you can't sit here I can't sit here and deny it they have looked better than last year. Obviously our expectations have been completely different, so I guess it doesn't suck as much to see them get cycled on in the defensive zone for 45 seconds you know what I mean it's just you said the best in the group chat today it's just kind of a different kind of expectations the last two years so I guess we react differently to it obviously but it's just I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel unless if again we're saying these words Cutter Gauthier is a star like he has to be a 35 40 goal scorer every year stud and could he become that? Absolutely. But that's a lot of pressure to put on a 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old, who is going to be here either this year or next year. It's it's not a matter of if he's going to be here. It's a matter of just when. So um, I'm just I'm just tired of seeing other teams pull off shit and do shit that we just cry and say we can't do. You know? I just want him to like come into a decent situation. But I know There's always some excuse with the Flyers. When other teams yeah. will get it done. Smaller market teams get shit done. Like, you're the Philadelphia Flyers. You are a top brand in the National Hockey League. You can't get anything done. It's a joke. That's actually a good point. I Obviously, Columbus, you can't predict the injuries that happened to them were going to happen. But they did. And it's a great point because they, did, they went out and grabbed Johnny. And you've said it so many times. Florida went out and traded for Kachuk. Like, yep. You said it so many times about the Johnny thing. It wasn't about just Johnny. It was about going out and grabbing somebody that, yeah, maybe you sign him and he's here for the next six years. And the first two years suck. 
But man, if those two years suck and you get good draft picks and you make the right picks and you develop young talent and you make the right moves behind the scenes and the other lines, it was worth it. Three years, four, five, and six, if he's still playing at that level, which he will be. Johnny Gaudreau is a very, very good player. Alex DeBrinkett would still be in his prime. Like, then you're in a good spot. You know what I mean? Because that's the that's the quote unquote aggressive rebuild that you told us that you were going to make. So why that'd be the perfect way to do it? You know? Yeah, but no, like that that band aid move yeah. that was Tony D'Angelo was more more important, more prioritized in the timeline than than a player of the caliber of Johnny Gaudreau. And then they sit there and cry like literally weeks later we don't have enough high skill talent. Remember that? Like yeah. they literally sat there and said we don't have, we need more high skill talent. Like you're saying that to me. When there was a hometown kid who, even in interviews after, like during this midseason, has said he wanted to come here. He thought he was going to come here. Do you know what it straight? Uh, do you know what it screams to me? It screams that he wakes up every day with a different mindset. Or another theory: there's way too many voices in this guy's head. They have way too many assistants that are just like, here, this, here's one thing. Well, according to this analytic, well, blah, blah, blah. So like, he's just waking up, making decisions left and right, left and right. Because that's what it feels like. Like, every day I wake up, I'm like, what is he going to say today? Like, the next time he talks, is he going to be like, you know what? We're, we're Guys, look, we're five points. We're six points out of the playoff spot. Seven points, whatever we are. Even though Pittsburgh has, like, three games on us. <laughs> like, I, you never know what this guy's going to say. It always seems like he's just like shooting in the dark kind of thing. You know what so I you mean? Think, you think he's a, a collective, like, puppet piece of, like, Scott, Clark, Holmgren, all those guys, yeah. all their thoughts oh, absolutely. in just one mouthpiece? Lombardi, absolutely. Yeah, all of those thoughts in the one absolutely. mouthpiece. Absolutely. there. I mean, Because you remember Clark, Clark was, like, crying wolf that Hextall didn't listen to him on the Nolan Patrick thing. So you have to assume if he's crying about that, one assumes that the current GM is listening to him. That probably means why he's still here. Another worrisome thing to think about. I agree. It's a very collaborative effort up there. I mean, they've come out and said that. Chuck Fletcher has said that in interviews, in media press conferences. It's, it's real, We're very collaborative. Everybody has opinions, and we listen to everybody's input, and we go what's best for the team kind of thing. So, you know, there's, I mean, we have videos of them sitting in our out circle with Chuck Fletcher just sitting there asking them questions. I mean, I know GMs do that. It's not like a unusual thing for GMs to sit there and ask their their employees <laughs> questions about their jobs, but I do think that there are too many voices in his head. I'm not taking all the responsibility of what he's done the last couple of years away from him completely, but I do think it's just kind of a overwhelming common thing. Like I think he should be sitting there with one or two guys instead of maybe five or six kind of you know thing. You know what I mean? Just maybe shrink your little group down to just one, two guys that you trust most their opinion most and go from there kind of thing. But, but that but, would explain why his his job is in a way safe because, like, if all those guys in the room know that at the end of the day they had just a big a part, just a big a voice in that decision as him, they're probably, like, less willing to admit he was wrong because that would be them admitting they were wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It just seems like a... It's everyone damaged. Everyone wanting their jobs this day. It's, yeah. Big old Everyone's buddy thinking group. we're dumb, thinking they can outsmart us, thinking they can feed us lies, when we all know what we're seeing. It all depends on what they do this trade deadline, Danny. Now, if they make some interesting moves, and like, like I said, if that if they come out here and make some moves around, like, okay, maybe that letter wasn't complete bullshit, then uh, maybe I'll hop back on board. 
and on seeing a light, you know? Totally agree with that. Totally. You never know. Maybe they turn around and they trade for Rob. Maybe they turn around and they trade Konechny or, or Hayes goes to Dude, Boston should, or something. It should be his last chance. And if it's your last chance, bro, take a shot. Take a swing. Do something. You would think so, right? If But nothing has indicated this guy's on yeah. the hot seat. So, I mean, like there is no last shot. Like he's That's, that's scary. He's he, he's chilling, dude. He's cool. <laughs> like it's it is scary. It's confusing. I mean, you wrote an article about it. I read it. It was good. Thank you. But I was it's, angry. I don't blame you, man. I really don't. It's just confusing at this point, and it's it's scary because you never know what's going to happen next. When is the next trade that he makes the, the, his biggest fleece yet? And I'm not talking him fleecing the other GM. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like fear. Like I, I live in fear, dude. I wake up like hopefully it's not to a text that we just trade a Konechny for a six-round pick and, and fucking Nick Delorier's cousin. You know what I mean? Like it's just I, <laughs> I live in fear constantly. With this it's guy, like they're bleeding season ticket holders, and they constantly cry about it. And they're like, "Oh, we'll, we'll give you three games free, or like two games next year. We'll give you a free soda." It's like, dude, make the fucking hockey team good. Oh, like they, it's right in front of you. Fire the GM and make the fucking team better. Do you know what I'm waiting for? I'm what? waiting for that JVR three-year extension at like six point five million before the trade deadline. I can't man. do that. That's what I, I'm saying. I can't handle that. I, I live I'm in telling fear. you right now. Can't handle get ready. It. Can't handle it. You better get ready for it because that's what's gonna happen. I don't know what my mental state is gonna be if that happens. How like, bad how would I'm that gonna be? view the team. Like I I'm going to reach a point where I'm really like I'm always gonna love the team, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm really gonna reach a point where I'm like, I'm never I just don't believe in this team ever. Like ever. I don't think they'll ever get out of this. I'm never gonna believe in them. Oh, if that happened no, not that exactly, but if something of that sort happened I would go into a deep depression, and I'm not even trying to be be, be funny because I already wake up every day like fuck. I don't get excited to watch like, yeah, hockey. We play the crack in the night. Whoop yeah, like, yeah, I know it sucks. It really does fuck with you if you care as much as we do. But if something like that, like you just said, happened, I absolutely. I mean, you you begin. I mean, not obviously. You don't abandon the Flyers and be like, oh, I'm not a fan anymore. Type shit. Like, I'm never gonna do that. But you definitely would sit there and be like, "There is this is going to be years to get out of this. This front office has zero idea what they're doing. That letter was just, here, torts, go say this, because they would yell at us, and they would be mean, and nobody would listen to it. Like, you be the mouthpiece kind of thing. But if they turn around and make moves that back up that viewpoint and show me that Chuck Fletcher has turned the corner and kind of, been on the same page with Torts, then we'll see. Derek did write an article that was pretty good about how, in retrospect, he like went back with quotes, and they've actually kind of been on the same page, but have said it in different kind of ways. And Chuck Fletcher, despite him being... Despite Chuck Fletcher saying the five points out of the wire card thing, if you take that out of the way, it was like they actually have said very similar things just in different contexts. Yeah, I just feel like Chuck Fletcher's reading a script whereas John Torello just speaks his mind. Yeah. I could I could see that. It's just 
it goes back to not trusting this guy, and you get scared. But one thing that hasn't been bad about him and his quote-unquote team, I guess you could say, and Brent Flair are his drafts and his prospects lately. Um, we were just looking at the AHL stats. L.A. Day or Nay, the 135th pick in the 2020 draft. What, tie with Forrester for first in the Phantoms with goals? Yep, 17. Right? 17. That's beautiful. That's actually fucking awesome. Yeah, no, his drafts are the one thing where it's like I, I really can't complain too hard, but it's also a thing of like the reason why Ron Hextall was fired wasn't because of the draft fix. It was because of he couldn't take the next step, and Chuck Fletcher also can't take the next step. Yep, it's kind of the same thing, absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, we've talked about how it's basically the same person. I, I, I think I will see with Chuck's drafts how they turn out. There's still guys with some questions around them, but like I mean, Cutter Gauthier, he has 27 points in 24 games with BC as a freshman. He had two assists last night. I mean, he's been on fire since coming back from the World Juniors. So I mean, he's another guy that you look at and you're like, okay, jury's still out on him and what he could be. Forrester, 17 goals isn't in 47 games isn't incredible. But, I mean, he has been injured the last couple of years, probably just getting back to his his groove. Um, Oli Likesell is another guy, but he was drafted in, I think, 2017. So he was before Chuck. 34. Bobby Brink. Bobby Brink is another guy. I didn't bro, I didn't even think about Brink. Good, good, good shit. He's got 14 points in 16 games with them. Six goals, eight assists since coming back from a torn labrum. Yeah, How about Bobby Brink? That's incredibly impressive. Like, if you take that into account, like, the guy, the injury he's coming off of, like, that's so impressive to me. It really is. And he has, let's see, four, five, six points in his last six games. So, he's been really, really good down there. I think, like, if he keeps this eye, then you could possibly see him this year, especially if we trade a couple guys up front, open up some spots. Like, I would not mind seeing Desnoyers. I think Forrester could... I think Force needs to stay there all year. I would love to see. Yeah, Day I want to see Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead. I agree. Um, love to see, obviously, um, Bobby Brink. Maybe he comes up, but I think the number one guy, other than Lexell, who's already up right now, and Erson, by the way, they're carrying three for this trip. I would love to see Brink though. That would be awesome. I mean, fourteen points in sixteen games coming back from that injury is that's pretty impressive. It's not mind shattering. It's not twenty four points in sixteen games, but I mean, it's those are good numbers. He's been but good to Dana Like it's so impressive to me. Like he he gets drafted in the fifth round and just takes leaps and bounds ever since. Like yeah, especially with good. the development league he was in, the QMJHL. Like I feel like it would have been so easy for him to not be a guy who has panned out to the point where he's panned out thus far. But he made Team Canada. Mm-hmm. He's like I say, leads the A and or our team in the A in goals, fifth round. Like that is that's some impressive shit. Captain of his junior team. See, like the thing with Daniel coming out of his draft, it was the the scouts the two way wasn't a question with him. Every scout agreed that I mean he was going to be a pretty good two way player in whatever league that he played in. It was the offensive game, and then we drafted him, and then he got traded. In the juniors, 
to the Halifax Mooseheads. And that's when he just started lighting the QMJHL up. And it was kind of like, I remember sitting here with you saying, okay, okay, okay. QMJHL is obviously a very offensive-heavy league. The defense isn't very good. How is a two-way game? Two-way game's still really good? Okay, maybe we have something in this kid. Keep watching, keep watching. He keeps destroying the QMJHL. And it was always like, okay, he's going to graduate to pro hockey. Obviously, he's going to have to play a full year, either a quarter, I mean, three quarters of a year or a full year in the AHL just because of the point of a guy needs to get use of the speed of a pro league. So it was always a question of two-way game is going to be fine in the AHL. No problem there. What does he do offensively? Can he still kind of not put up maybe the same numbers because it's just not going to correlate, but can he still kind of keep up? But And 17 goals in 45 games, I mean, that's three goals in his first three games with the Phantoms this year. Uh, he's just, I mean, that's that's awesome, man. For what, what did you say his last four games? Seven points, right? Last four games? Last four games, yeah, seven. Like, he has three goals and four assists in his last four geez. games. So, yeah. He could be a guy that you see soon, especially, like I said, if we trade a couple of guys up front in JVR, obviously. Uh, Brown, who knows? Who knows what they do? Obviously, me and Danny have sit here and said that we are scared. I'm scared, personally, about who they trade. Not who, not who they trade, but just about in terms of value and how I don't trust this guy an ounce to not get fleeced. Yeah, actually, I'll put it this way. I think their their mind, their heart is going to be in the right place. Like you said, it just comes down to execution. It comes down to closing it, not getting fleeced. That's the fear. Because I think they they know what they need to do. They've always known what they needed to do. They just can't do it. They say what they need to do. They never <laughs> do it. I know. I know. And that it goes back to the letter, and hopefully, hopefully their next moves backs that up and we'll see this this deadline is also it's big in a lot of ways not only is it big for whatever draft compensation they get but it's also big in the terms of what direction are we actually heading is it really are we actually going to go dive deep into a hole and this front office doesn't know what they're doing or is it going to be a trade deadline where we're like hey let's take a step back and kind of maybe golf clap and Okay, like maybe we'll calm the fuck down a little bit and stop trash talking, kind of thing. You know, like that's what I'm at. Let's see what he does, what they do heading into this trade deadline. Maybe some crazy shit happens. Maybe they do. Maybe he does step down and Briere steps in. Who knows, dude? Like it's, I'm down for anything. I mean, when you're finishing bottom five, bottom seven for two years, three years in a row, anything goes. Like nobody yeah, sees. It's, it's it's like you need to make a change at that point. I'm tired of seeing these yeah. same guys losing every year. I would like to see a fresh face. I don't even care if they they go out and get a player who is like the same exact player. You just gotta get. A, we gotta hit the refresh button here. It, it's proven to not work. What do you mean? On some of these players, dude. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's, like, how many yeah. times are we just, like, going to do the same song and dance? Provrov needs a partner. Provrov's in trade rumors. We're keeping Provrov. Like, <laughs> like how many times are we going to do this shit with players before we actually make a change? I do think he's gone. It's just a matter of when. And he's another point in just... Yeah, I, he probably, I mean, given the Sandheim deal, it really seems kind of obvious now. It's like they... Oh, it's like yeah. They, they kind of have to do it. He seems like the odd man out. Let's talk about that real quick and how bad... 
bit of a double down that was because of multiple reasons. Not only does that basically tell you that Ivan Provorov is gone because, I mean, if Cam York, who is already proving that he could be a top four guy in this league, I mean, he's playing on the top pair on his offhand, on his offside, well, very well. Um, so I, he could definitely be this team's number two left-handed defenseman and would fit there perfectly. I mean, he's due for a contract extension, so they've fucked themselves with this Sandheim, to put it lightly, with yep. this Sandheim contract, right? Last year they had two attractive defensive assets to kind of like play around with in pro Robin Sandheim, and what they did by signing that unmovable eight-year Sandheim deal is essentially tank his asset value to where it's it's only pro Rob. Yeah. In my opinion. I don't see them going out and even trying to, like, I think they like Ristolainen, so like, I, don't, I don't, maybe D'Angelo goes, but, like, yeah, really he's my dark horse. But let's talk about the left side and, like, how that really leaves them. So, Sanheim is going to be in your top four for the next eight years. Let's let's say, when does the no trade uh, clause kick in? 2026, 2027, correct? Like, uh, yeah. So, three years. What is it? Four uh, years. Four. Yeah, four. Wow, I'm sitting here like, what year is it? Holy shit. <laughs> um, four years. He's definitely here. So he's in your top four. So it's either trade Provorov for another top pairing defenseman, because we don't have one, or a prospect and a pick that could be a top pairing defenseman, so you're kind of left in a hole there. Or... Don't trade Provorov. Keep them. Have Provorov and Sandheim as your one and two on the left side. And then York, who's going to need a contract extension and is probably better than Sandheim. I think he is. Play on a third-pairing role. Now, while that's not bad depth, it's not a very good defense. And again, it would just be doubling down on what hasn't been working the last how many years, you know what I mean? So they're in a really weird situation and then they're in a situation where I think it's just obvious he's gone because Derek's wrote articles and those articles were really good. And it goes in really in depth about how there are possibilities of Cam York turning into a first pair guy. And if Cam York, let's say Cam York turns into a guy, right? Hand him 7 million, 8 million a year. Is Sanheim going to be in your top four? With York as your number one, I'm not gonna say this six. was like so predictable, but like we we said this last year, you know, it was like the the hope was like how many times did we go on this podcast and say like you don't stack up all of these young assets? We had the number one pipeline in the league for so many years. You don't stack up all these defense and then hang on to them all. At a certain point, you gotta tinker. You gotta cash in, and that's the only yeah. That's the only way that works, though. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? The only way trading Provorov away and not replacing him with somebody is York turns into a number one guy who can that you can put as your number one left-handed defenseman with another good right-handed defenseman on that top pair. But that's a lot of ifs. Like That's a lot of pressure on York. I mean, I'm not saying he can't become that kind of guy. Like There are ways, if you read Derek's article, he went into depth about how York has traits that a number one modern-day defenseman has. In terms of puck moving, offensive, and defensive skill. So, like, there are ways it could happen, but, I mean, that's a lot of ifs 
and we go back to that words again. If and where this guy becomes what? Because at this point, you're going to trade Provorov. Because you're, you're not going to keep Provorov and Sandheim. That's just what that hasn't been working. So why would you keep the same thing? So, like we said, Sandheim's there. Provorov's gone. So it's either York becomes a guy, or he doesn't. And he's just a, a, a pretty good middle-pairing defenseman. So then you have two middle-pairing left-handed defensemen. And then you still got to go out and pay a top guy... Nine, eight, nine million. So you just you have a ton of money locked up on just a mediocre left side. It's just, it's just. There's not a lot of ways to fix it. It's weird, and it's it's confusing because now teams know like Sandheim's not going anywhere. Like they're gonna trade Provorov. I'm not gonna give him a kid's ransom. Like he's he's gonna get a good return, but like he's not gonna get a return that some people are sitting here thinking that he's gonna get. Like I don't think he would bring back a Quinton Byfield. That a Titrin would. Like, Titrin is locked up at like 4.5 for the next two years, I think. He's yeah. going to bring back something nice. And I, I, even though Provorov, like his contract isn't bad. What's Provorov at? 6'2, six, six, I believe. 6'7'5? Six, 6'7'5, seven, five. Six, seven, five. yeah. 6'7'5 six, until 2024, 2025. That's not bad. For like maybe you, you nab him and maybe we retain something and that increases the value. Like, it, there's a lot of ways that. You could bring back something good, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. Do you think a return for him would be insane? Like, it wouldn't be a buy field, right? Nah, it would not be insane. It would definitely be underwhelming, guaranteed. Which is sad, considering he's locked up to a decent contract. He's 26 years old. He could be a really good number two left-handed defenseman, like a second-pair guy on a good team. So... You could back, get back something for him. Um, the contract isn't terrible. Obviously, um, Sandheim's here, so he's the guy you trade. So, not trading York. So, I mean, you just get that log jam. You got Andrea, too, coming up. Um, we'll see what he does. Dude, like I asked you about earlier, like, Ryan Ellis, is, is he 100% retiring? Yeah. I mean, because, I... Like, I don't have... What if he decides he wants to give camp a go, and just like that, like six million gets put on pause until like late August or early September? Hmm. I don't know. I don't have that answer for you. I like ninety percent think he's he's done. I I hope. I I mean, obviously, I don't like hope like for the guy's career to end. But I know what you mean though. But yeah, it would just be uh, like just kind of like. Let kind of us helpful. know an answer, kind of thing. Yeah, it'd not be really that we're helpful. rushing him, but it would be nice to. I mean, Couturier I almost forget too. the guy's a flyer at times. Like I really do. Uh, like all I, time. I, I, you see, like one article about him a year, and it's like <laughs> you just forget he, he's even in the organization. Honestly, so real quick, let's talk second half expectations. What are Open your tryouts? What's your what's your What's your number one thing that you want to see heading into this end of this last 30 games, Danny? In terms of everything. Games, the roster, trade uh, deadline. Games, I really don't expect much. Got Maybe Seattle games. Thursday and then Vancouver Saturday. Yeah, I love staying up till 10 o'clock. It's going to be fun, dude. To watch my team get spanked. It's going to be awesome. Monday, but... 4 o'clock against Calgary. What? What? Mm-hmm. Who made that one? Batman. <laughs> Special for you. 
Because he knows that you'd be working at at, at 4 (laughs) o'clock. But seriously, what are your... Like, what do you want to see? I I would hope to actually see losses. Like, I I mean, obviously, I still want them to compete. I still want, like, young guys to get on the score sheet. But would hope that they go on, like, a little losing skid. (laughs) You and and Derek uh, both. Get a little bit more comfortable. Because, like, when you're in the position that we're in now... I can't even have the unrealistic hope of like, oh, maybe the lottery ball bounces right. But like, if you get to seven, six, eight, at least I'm tuning into that lottery with a little Definitely. bit of uh, yeah, I'm too. It's a little different when you tune in at that point. Um, obviously, hope just to see those young kids keep producing, and I hope to see some of whether it's Danoyer, Brink, Gauthier, someone who I have not seen yet this year in yeah. the orange and black, be in the orange and black. Yeah. Best case scenario is that they keep playing hard. Young kids keep showing that they're improving. They lose games. Cartagoche hits. This next good draft trade pick deadline. Hits. Deadline is decent. You have a nice good draft. Uh, this draft and the next one in 2024. And then you surround this structure team with some talent. And that's... That's best case scenario. That's what I want to see. If we're being totally honest, I mean, I yeah, don't like want to see them make a playoff run because Kevin Hayes is is snapping, and they kept JVR because they've lo- they won four games in a row before the deadline or some shit like that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. worst case scenario. I just want to see the moves that everybody and their mom knows should be made be made. That's that's what I want to see. Yeah, like, I've seen some things that I, I like I can take away, and if things are executed, I, I could hold on to. Like, like Frost improving, that was big for me. Like, seeing that, Huge. seeing him score, I like seeing it. Tippett has a, is much better than I thought he was going to be this year. Uh, I like watching Cam York. Cam York progressing. He looks good. Yeah, like, there, like, there, is, guys, there is real takeaways here. Yeah, absolutely. There are guys here that you look at. Like, like you just said, Frost, Tippett, York. There are three guys right there that you are, okay – maybe those guys could be a part of this next team that could compete. Not saying that they are top-line guys, but they could be in the mix to be, like, middle set. Like, I could definitely see Frost and Tippett on a, on a third line on a very good team. I mean, they're good players. They're fun. They're skilled. They're young. They're still going to be improving. It's There are guys. Uh, Ole Lexell, we just talked about him, 34 points in 34 games in the AHL. He just got called up. He's going to have a chance to play yeah. with Hayes I mean, and Lawton. Yeah. Think of all the players who aren't even in the orange and black right now who are going yeah. to have an impact eventually. So hopefully Braun goes. Maybe they trade D'Angelo. We'll see. But I, I just I want to see what everybody else wants to see. I mean, I don't have to sit here and go through it again. But Erson is with them now, so let's see if he gets any starts. They're not sending Sandstrom down, so they will be bringing three goalies on that trip, like I said. Um, obviously, Couturier is still week to week. Atkinson's out for the year. McEwen's still recovering from that broken jaw. And Lozinski was skating the other day, but he'll probably go into conditioning stick before he comes back. So that's another guy that you could see coming up soon. Coming back soon, I should say. Not coming up. He was with us. I haven't heard him in a while, dude. Like, holy shit. Tanner Lodzinski. Yeah, he had that one spin pass to Frost. and uh, It was dirty. Yeah, it was. was dirty. Need to see him again, though, because I kind of, I'm not going to lie, and I kind of feel bad saying this. Forgot about him. Forgot about him a little, <laughs> a little bit there. 
<laughs> Anything else you want to add? No, that pretty much kind of sums it up. I mean, it's it's really a waiting game till the deadline. I, I heard you say it best earlier in the episode. There's really no point in like diving deep into individual games, individual yeah box Can't. scores, individual no efforts. It's really like we know what the team is. We know it's an uphill climb to get out of here. We'll believe it when we see it, but we hope to see it. And also, there's been like no rumors lately. The trade deadline is soon. And I feel like there's nothing for us to hop on here and talk about in terms of any kind of rumors on Twitter. Nah, just that we want an overpay for Nick Sealer. <laughs> yeah, that's the only like actual information we've gotten from a an NHL credentialed reporter is that Freeman said that the Flyers are looking for a team to, I think he said blow them away because I made a, a joke saying... That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I made a joke on Twitter saying, like a, it was a meme of a skeleton saying um, the rest of the league waiting for Chuck Fletcher to be blown away for an offer for Nick Sealer. You're going to be waiting for a very long time if that's what you're waiting for. Like No team's going to walk up to you and like it, it, if maybe a third round pick is blown away for Nick Sealer, then maybe. But yeah, like, bro, we should not be playing hardball with Nick Sealer. Like, I feel like teams are like, ah, oh, Nick Sealer, like cheap little guy we can go after, calling up the the poverty Flyers. Maybe we can help them out, get a little deal done. The Flyers are like, nah, nah, we want to be blown away. It's like, dude, you got some nerve, <laughs> fucking hanging up the phone. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he gets hung up on the phone. Actually, no, I'm sure GMs are. Yeah, are drooling over him, yeah, over getting called by him. We'll see. We'll see how this goes, man. 17 days, like I said. Um, We'll be back maybe a couple weeks, maybe next week. Things heat up. Yeah, After we should this... definitely have a check-in before the deadline. Definitely. And oh, then definitely. we'll do one for the deadline probably or, or after 3 o'clock, something. Hopefully we're hopping on here next episode, like, but some substance of rumors. Just like Briere takes info. over. Oh, Briere, stop. Hayes, JVR, gone. That'd be awesome, dude. <laughs> Hayes, Briere. Frost, Frost Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hayes, JVR, gone to bring Denorier up. I'd be like, all right. I'd be like, all right. I'm back in. That's all it took. That's all it takes. And that's, that's why I don't understand takes. people who are like, dude, stop being miserable. Stop being. It's like, dude, I am begging for crumbs. This team doesn't even give me crumbs, bro. <laughs> Any I'm sliver of light, dude. Any sliver of light. Any kind of hope to show me that you have any ounce, that, that you have recognized any ounce of what we've been saying for years. You know what I mean? It's, that move alone, I just said as a joke. Hayes and JVR gone, Denoyer and Brink up. That alone would just really just instill so much confidence for me. Not yeah, at least gives me a reason to get excited yeah. to watch the game. Like I'm not even excited <laughs> to watch games, and it give sucks because this is my favorite team ever. I know. Like you, like I said, you could give me crumbs, and I'd be excited to watch the game. I I, I still somehow watch them. I don't I don't know how I do it, but. I do it too. It's just brutal because the whole time, like, you're sitting there and you're thinking, like, negative thoughts. And, like, you'll watch, like, JVR turn it over and you're like, fuck this guy. And it's like, dude, I don't want to be, like, having that mindset when I'm watching my team. Like, I miss just, like, getting excited. Like, games tie. Like, I miss, like, being a little anxious. Like, we score a big goal in the third, getting really excited. Like, there's none of that. The games feels just so meaningless. They they are, man. I, I hate to sit here and be the 
the Debbie Downer, if you will. But I mean, they are. They're they're they're, they're fucking meaningless. They don't mean anything. They're not good. I, I I'm not gonna blow out any smoke up anybody's ass. Like they're not a good hockey team. Yeah, they play hard. They keep it close. But at the end of the day, when they play a skilled team, that's just downright better at hockey. It shows. Like they're like, not good. <laughs> like it's just not. It's not a secret. And, and it games, should be looked at as a problem that like just working hard was like a big like organizational win and step forward. Like, like yeah, we work hard. Like that should be the bare minimum of all professionals who play hockey. Is like or any front office worker or anyone yeah. who's in an organization should be working hard. But agreed that like, like we're giving out the... brownie points for working hard. It's like <laughs> the bar was, was so low. So that, like yeah. That yeah, that we we deem that as a positive season. Like, oh, they actually like finish checks and work hard. I mean, we can definitely agree that it needed to be instilled because. Yeah. But, no, it did. Oh uh, no, I uh, I know what you're it's saying. It's scary that it did. Yeah, it's scary that it, it it stooped so low. It's obviously back in some way. Like I said, like they're not completely boring to watch. Like they do stick up for each other. Like we can cry in front of them to do. Like they don't let anybody fuck with them. They, uh, the Delore has been a lot better than I thought he has been. Like there have been bright spots, like we just point out with the young kids. But yeah, they're definitely watchable. Like you tune, like you said, you tune in the game. They do have some bites to them. Like it's, but they have so many holes, and it's just there's no, like what are they gonna do with their right hand defense? First the line is here. D'Angelo's probably gone soon. They don't have any kind of prospect depth there. Adder is a guy could be. A, Nice little middle pairing defenseman, maybe. We'll see. He's having a good year in the AHL. He was an all-star. But they don't have anybody on that right side. So that's a problem. The number one pair on that side. Obviously, no elite talent. Hopefully, Cutter Gauthier is that guy. And this pick coming up is that guy. But, like, I'm not going to go into a playoff series just... With the sole meaning of, not meaning, but with the sole saying of, hey, we we finish our checks and we work hard. Like, skill wins hockey games. And like I said, there are so many, like, if, ands, and buts and different valleys of ways that could, we could end up with high-end talent. But, I mean, it's just a lot of, like, there's so many good luck just has to happen, you know? We want to be contenders. But it seems like the Flyers are scrapping and clawing just to be an eighth seed that's happy to be here. You know, that's that's, that's really what it seems like. Like they would be happy with that. They like we would just be happy to be here. That's what they're chasing. Just get in. When like in reality, like we want we want a contending team. Yeah, I need high end talent, man. I don't have any. I don't have a goal. Uh, I don't have a fifty forty goal scorer. I don't have an elite playmaker. Like I don't have it. Bottom. I don't have a number one defenseman. I have a goalie, which is awesome. And gives you a little bit of a leeway. Like either you don't need a Connor Bedard, you don't need an Austin Matthews, but you need talent. <laughs> Bottom line, Sean Couturier came back and come back. Great, they're good players, but they're not elite talents. I mean, I think Couturier is an elite defensive player, but in terms of, dude, and they're both gambles. Like they're they really are. They're both gambles. Like I don't know how anyone can confidently say they have faith in both of those players to be there the whole season. Especially Couturier. I hate to say it, but you, I mean, no, you it's look facts. At him. Like you can't bank on that. Like you, you can't. Like no, it you burned can't. you twice. You can't bank on that. 
Absolutely. I agree. We'll see. There are a lot of, a lot, a lot of question marks that have to be answered, and hopefully we get a, li- a little bit of answers to coming up here. Yes, we'll sir. See. Well, that was episode 91 of the Liberty L. You can follow us on all socials at the Liberty L. Follow me on Twitter at TLY Danny. Follow Chris at Chris Stumps. Go floor.